Before we go to God's word, let's go together in prayer. Oh, Father God, as we come before your word this evening, Lord, we ask that you would indeed open up our hearts to this text, Father. Lord, would you help us once again to hear a familiar story, to read a familiar text, and yet to be changed, to be more cognizant of what it means that Christ was crucified for our sins. So that come Sunday we can rejoice that He was raised for our life. And we ask this, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as we begin this evening, I want to ask you a question. Is, have you ever been let down? Have you ever really needed someone to come through for you? And they didn't. Perhaps someone got your hopes up. You thought things were going to go one way, but then those things ended up going in a completely different and much more disappointing direction. You feel let down. You feel unappreciated. Perhaps even deceived. That's where we're going to begin tonight, actually. Jesus entered Jerusalem on Sunday to the praise of throngs of people, waving palm branches, shouting His glorious praise. But now, maybe not the same crowds, but now crowds in the city are not praising Jesus. Instead, right before our passage we're about to read, they call out, crucify Him! There's strong feeling in that cry. There's anger in that cry. They just, they just knew that He was the liberator they've been waiting for. They've been looking for. And they welcomed Him with open arms. And then they realized He was not. He let them down. He had no interest in throwing off the yoke of Roman rule. And so the people turned on him. When the crowds yell out to Pontius Pilate, crucify him. These are Jewish crowds. They are asking Jesus to be hung on a tree because in Deuteronomy it says, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. They are asking that he be cursed of God. They're hurt. They're angry. They feel misled and let down, and they want Jesus to suffer for their lost hope. And as we are going to see in this text tonight, that God will give him, give them their request. He will curse his own son. And so, if you would, would you look with me at Luke chapter 23, verses 32 through 49? This is God's word. Two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments. And the people stood by watching, but the rulers scoffed at him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself. If he is the Christ of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him. 
coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him saying, Do you not fear God since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, truly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. It was now about the sixth hour. And there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. Then the sunlights failed. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. Now when the centurion saw what had taken place, he praised God, saying, Certainly this man was innocent. And all the crowds that assembled for this spectacle, when they saw what had taken place, returned home beating their breasts. And all his acquaintances and the women who had followed him from Galilee stood at a distance watching these things. This is God's word. So here's Jesus, the glorious Son of God, the miracle worker, the man who raised Lazarus from the grave. Here he is, cursed by the people and hanging on a cross. And Luke shows us Unlike most in this situation, he does not cry out for vengeance. He does not scream out his vindication. He cries out for their forgiveness. For this heinous act of killing the Messiah. We're so used to this story, aren't we? We've heard this so often. We don't appreciate it. The cross was reserved for criminals and slaves. Roman citizens could not be crucified. It was a weapon meant to embarrass and shame a conquered people. Jesus experienced that embarrassment. Luke tells us they took his clothes for for themselves. They took his clothes. Jesus Christ hung naked on the cross. Jesus understands shame. Jesus understands embarrassment. But there's more here than just our emotional response or His emotional response. Even in being naked, Jesus Christ was in these moments doing the work of redemption. The first Adam was innocent and naked. And he fell into sin and bondage. And now the second Adam, who was innocent hangs naked to destroy that sin and set His people free from that bondage. And as true as that is theologically, it is still embarrassing to the human Christ. But the shame, the embarrassment, was not the worst of it. Now comes the taunting. Now comes the mockery. The religious leaders scoff and mock. You saved others, save yourself! The soldiers join in. I thought you were the king. Get yourself down, king. 
Even a criminal gets in on it. Are you all talk or what? Do something. See it. Hear it. The Lord of glory. The Son of God. Cursed. Shamed. Even mocked by His creatures. It's sick beyond words. It really is. And it's really nothing when we see that Jesus Christ is shamed and cursed by His Father. Luke tells us from noon to 3 p.m. the sun's light failed. This is not a solar eclipse. That is not possible at Passover, which always goes with a full moon. It just doesn't, you can't do that. It's not a solar eclipse. This darkness is a literal event. It is a supernatural and historic occurrence. It signals the beginning of the real ordeal of the cross. You see, Christianity is not that God is grandpa. He puts up with everything. He just loves his little children running around. Oh, that's all right. Sin is never overlooked by a holy God. The only reason forgiveness can be offered to us for free is because God punished Jesus for it. Jesus earned it. We get it. It was not free. He had to pay for it. And this darkness tells us it took three hours of Jesus' agony to pay for our sin. This is the descended into hell of the Apostles' Creed. This is what it took to forgive us. Christ endures the full weight of God's wrath and curse for our sin, for my sin, for your sin. All of our sin, all of it is placed on Jesus Christ. That verse we love, the quote, is happening right now. He who knew no sin became sin for us. God the Father, so pure He cannot look on sin, veils His embarrassing, sinful Son in darkness so He doesn't have to look at this. It's as if God the Father is shouting, I can't even look at you right now. He was ashamed of the sin His Son had become. And so the light of the world is cursed with darkness. See it. Hear it. Feel that. Let the Hallmark cards tell you the sun refused to shine because it was sad. Let Scripture burn this into your heart that Jesus Christ on your behalf became such a transgressor for you that He was refused the common grace of sunlight. He didn't deserve it. So He didn't get it. See, this darkness is part of a holy God completely turning His back on His Son who is sin in order to shame Him. As the wrath of holy God descends in force upon His only Son who had become our sin, no light could penetrate that darkness. And in that darkness, having poured and poured His wrath out on His Son because that's what our sin deserved. There's still more going on here. Sin brings God's wrath. And sin brings God's curse. And they are not the same thing. 
having turned his back on his son, having ravaged his son with his wrath, the father now turns back to face his son. And the only thing God sees is the sum total sin of his people. And God curses him for it. God hates him for it. Isaiah tells us it was his pleasure to crush his son for it. You know, throughout the ages, God's people love to hear God's blessing. Especially the ironic blessing he gave to his people. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. The cross forces us to recognize the only reason God's people ever hear that blessing is because Jesus Christ was cursed on our behalf. Jesus heard from his Father, I curse you and forsake you. I turn my back upon you and damn you. I bring down my wrath upon you and give you hell. This is the moment. This is the moment when all the accounts, when Jesus Christ, oh my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And he hears no answer. And so in faith, the only person in the history of the world, he voluntarily yields up his life. Some people may take their own life. Some people may choose to die, but they were going to die at some point. Jesus never was, and so he voluntarily just lets it go. Trusting God would raise him from the grave, the book of Hebrews tells us, dying in faith. And as Jesus dies... Luke tells us the veil in the temple, the place separating the physical presence of God in the Holy of Holies from the people, that one-inch thick curtain big enough to be an area rug for this room. It's ripped in half from the top down. The perfect sacrifice had been made. The barrier between God and His people must come down. You know, the philosopher of our modern culture is Friedrich Nietzsche. He looked for a superman to come and destroy religion. And so he and our culture after him always want to grab this veil that separates God from human beings. And they want to rip it from the bottom up and say, God is dead and we have killed him. But in the ultimate act of love and mercy, God himself became one of us and suffers for his people. And so when God himself accepts the ripped body of Jesus Christ, the Father then rips the curtain from top down and says, sin is dead because I killed him. And so come to me, all who long for mercy and receive it, because I wounded my son for your transgressions, and by his death you can be healed. See, the forgiveness that we desire, the forgiveness we take for granted wasn't free. It cost Jesus every ounce of life He had, every drop of blood He had. And He paid the price because He loves His people. And He gives you His forgiveness for free. So come and take it. 
If you don't have this forgiveness, you can. Simply place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Recognize that this death can be for you. And do it now. And if you rest alone in Jesus Christ for your salvation, and you have for years, see again how much it costs so you can have it for free. And rejoice and mourn that this is what it took. Let's pray together. Gracious God, all of Your loving kindness is in Your Son. And so we approach You only by bringing Him in the arms of faith, pleading His suffering blood to pay for our debts before You. Oh, Father God, accept His worthiness for our unworthiness. Accept His sinlessness for our sinfulness. Accept His purity for our impurity. His sincerity for our deceit. His truth for our lies. His humility for our pride. His integrity for our hypocrisy. His love for our hatred. His fullness for our emptiness. His faithfulness for our unfaithfulness. His obedience for our disobedience. His glory for our shame. His holiness for our unholiness. His righteousness for our unrighteousness. His death for our life. Accept us and our prayer through Jesus Christ.